Okay, hey guys, it's Stacy Barnett with Sensibilities Nose Work, and I just wanted to do a little bit of mini pod. I haven't talked to you guys in a while, and um, and I just thought that it would be a really great idea to uh, try out this new. I have a new microphone. It's really cool. It's a Yeti Blue. Actually, it's teal, but it's called a Yeti Blue, and it's absolutely fantastic. So I'm hoping that the sound quality is just as good as as um, as I'm hoping it will be. Um, I want to talk today about arousal. Um, now I'm not that that's not X-rated. Um, I'm talking about arousal as it concerns or as as it as it um, refers to the Yerkes-Dodson law. Um, the Yerkes-Dodson law is um, it's it's a law that says that as arousal increases, performance increases, and it and it, it keeps increasing to a point at a peak point where um, where performance no longer continues to increase. And then as arousal continues to increase, performance decreases. So you end up with something that looks like a bell curve. Okay, this is actually the key to successful trialing is the Yerkes-Dodson law. So from the Yerkes-Dodson law perspective, this tells me that if I have a lower drive dog, or a lower arousal dog, that what I want to do is I want to increase the dog's arousal. And I want to increase the dog's arousal to the point that they are at the start line. So if I can get the dog at the peak arousal at the start line, the dog is going to be in drive. Now I consider the peak point or the the top of the bell curve to be when the dog is in drive. And when the dog is to the left of that bell curve, the dog is no is not quite in drive. The dog could be this could be the um, the lower lower arousal dogs. It could be um, the dogs that that maybe seem a little bit bored, or might be um, you know just kind of sniffing around, um, not really not really drivey for the odor. So um, the other thing that we can think of is what happens if we get a dog that's on the right of the curve. So if we get a dog that's on the right of the curve, this tends to be our higher drive dogs or our higher arousal dogs. Now I actually don't like the term high drive. I think it's a misnomer. High drive actually means that um, that the dog is actually in drive. That, that assumes that the dog is in drive. In drive is actually a state of being. It's not a um, quality, right? We, we tend to, to talk about high drive dogs as having a quality. And, um, and it's, it's pretty, um, pr- pretty well accepted that this is a quality. And, um, and, and we, can, we talk about dogs being high drive or dogs being low drive. And what I prefer is high arousal, low arousal, and in drive. And I really think that if we kind of reestablish what we're talking about and we really focus in on... Um, on arousal states rather than a quality of being high drive or low drive, I think then we can start to manipulate what where the dog is. So it, it requires a little bit of shift of um, a focus from our perspective to stop thinking about dogs as being high drive or low drive. Because once we label a dog, we've labeled the dog. If we label a dog as low drive, that dog is now a low drive dog that now dog is now existing in a low arousal state. However, if we have a low arousal dog, we can raise the arousal. And if we have a high arousal dog, we can lower the arousal. 
And that's really the important thing. Um, and, um, and if we have a high drive dog, that's what we call a high drive dog. This is actually a dog that's in high arousal state. And this contributes to, I think, a lot of this phenomenon where we see a dog with a lot of energy. And we consider the dog to be a high drive dog. When in fact, the dog may not actually be very effective at what it's doing. So we can consider a in drive state or a low arousal state or a high arousal state. So we can raise the arousal of a low arousal dog and get the dog in drive, or we can lower the arousal of a high arousal dog and get the dog in drive. So consider this, you have a dog that's bouncing all over the place, barking, very excited. Typically, we think of this dog as a, quote, high drive dog, right? But if we think about it, this is a dog that really cannot focus and really can't work. Now, if we start thinking about what do we need to do from a trialing perspective, right? We have to get the dog so that the dog can work and focus at least for a, um, a short period of time. And in the sport of, um, of nose work or, or scent work, you know, we're really focusing in on just a few minutes of focused time. And sometimes it's just seconds. And what we're looking for in, in the sport that tends to be very much a timed sport, we need the dog to focus, come into a new space, really acclimate at the drop of a hat, and search and find, uh, find exactly what, what we're looking for, which is our, our target odor, whether it be uh, birch, anise, clove, cypress, myrrh, veveter, wintergreen, pine, red thyme, whatever, whatever organized or organization you trial in. And we're looking for the dog to focus and not be distracted. So now for a dog to not be distracted, the dog has to be in drive. Um, for a while there, you know, I, you know, if I just look at my own dogs and I learned so much from my dogs and every, each one of my dogs is a gift. I have, um, I have three dogs that exist on the left-hand side of the curve. And I've recently gotten this puppy. Now this puppy, Brava. Brava is a working line Labrador retriever. And I say working line, I don't say field line, although she does have field lines. She is mostly field line, but, um, she's search and rescue bred, FEMA dog, FEMA dog bred, um, you know, she, she's not going to be a search and rescue dog, but she is definitely, definitely a worker. I mean, she, she focuses, she's, um, she is in drive. So she's actually at the tender age of seven months old already starting to trial in AKC scent work and, uh, and, and, and doing quite well, doing quite well. You know, when she, she came out, she debuted at six months old and won her very first class in a, in a, with a, a very large class container, novice container class, including some very advanced dogs. And what I noticed was um, my dog, my new dog, my puppy, works on the right-hand side of the curve. She is constantly on the right-hand side of the curve. And I've noticed that the amount of waiting that she has to do contributes to where she is on that curve. Now, I've long since always figured out, you know, I've, long, I've always, always worked the Yerkes-Dodson curve when getting my dog ready for the start line. Only, I would say probably that the bulk of, of what I do is getting the dog up the curve, going from left to right. Now I have to get her up the curve going from right to left, and this is a whole new experience for me, um, given the dogs that I compete with. And I'm finding that, you know, waiting is a very, very hard thing for her. She has a very hard time waiting. 
So at this point now I have to start thinking, what can I do to lower this dog's arousal? So one thing I can do is, um, especially at this point um, right now, is to try to make sure that I don't get her out of the car until I absolutely have to. So just this past uh, past weekend, it was actually it was yesterday. In fact, I did a I did an AKC trial, and there were quite a few um, staging areas to get into interiors, and actually, and also in containers. It was just the way that the trial was set up, and um, I noticed that you know as she went through the staging areas, her arousal increased and it increased and it increased. And, uh, and she had, she had a little bit of a hard time being as accurate and as, um, to the point as I would have liked her, her to have been. And I really think that it has to do with, with arousal. So when you trial a dog, you want to, you want to think about when do you get that dog out of the, out of the car? Um, the other thing is if you have a high arousal dog is you need to try to figure out what is going to lower that dog's arousal. Typically, what will lower a dog's arousal includes um, food. So the last thing you want to do is to play with the dog in the staging area. Play increases arousal. And, um, and we, we can actually, we can think about what, what is arousal anyway? Arousal is anxiety. And, and, and it's akin to anxiety. So sometimes, so, so let's talk about anxiety really quickly. Um, so, so, you know, we basically, you know, just to finish the thought, finishing the thought, we want to try to lower the arousal, and that can include getting the dog out of the car a little bit later, keeping the dog quiet, doing calming things, doing things that are going to lower the arousal. So, um, you know, so, so if we start thinking about the relationship of anxiety and arousal, this is something else I want to talk about. So the relationship between anxiety and arousal, you have, um, you have high arousal, which is related to anxiety. Actually, anxiety is a type of arousal. So there, there are two types of arousal. There is good arousal and there is bad arousal. So the good arousal is, that, and we can kind of think about this in terms of, of where arousal fits on the, on, the, on the arousal curve. Good arousal is arousal that increases performance, right? So, so that's what good is, right? It increases performance. So, um, so that could be moving, um, you know, uh, probably like the center, the center portion of the arousal curve. It could be good arousal, could be increasing arousal as it moves up the curve to get the dog into drive. Or good arousal could also mean decreasing arousal and getting the dog into drive for a dog that's a high arousal. Bad arousal. Are the um, so bad arousal exists at the two ends of the spectrum. So you have the dog that's on the far left of the curve. So the dog that with very very low arousal, that's really bad arousal, right? So that's the type of arousal that we need to increase. And that type of arousal is um, is probably easier to um, to increase than anxiety. Um, from an anxiety perspective, anxiety exists on the far right of the curve. Anxiety is the harder to impact bad arousal. And I would say dogs that exist on the far right of the curve are probably um, the, the hardest dogs to influence from an arousal's perspective. Um, these are the dogs that are high anxiety, they're fearful. So anxiety, um, you know, we all, we, we talk about like dogs that stress up and dogs that stress down. That's another aspect of this. That's actually more the manifestation of anxiety and how anxiety comes across. 
Now, what's interesting is that when we see dogs that stress down, it's very easy to confuse this with low arousal. And that's where a lot of people make a mistake. So this is where the dogs that are, you know, they're, they're, they're scared. They start sniffing the ground. They start doing displacement, displacement, um, uh, displacement behaviors. This is actually high arousal. Okay. And it's just manifesting itself in a different way because this is the way the dog copes. Um, it's, it's not low arousal. So getting that dog, trying to hype that dog up and trying to make that dog happy, 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 and trying to um, get the dog jollied out of that is actually not going to work. And the reason why it's not going to work is because by doing that, you're, you're additionally, you're adding additional arousal. So you're taking that dog farther to the right of the curve and you're adding anxiety into that arousal and you're actually going to decrease performance by doing that. So that's, that's something to think about. Then I think when a lot of times when we think about anxiety, we think about dogs that stress up, right? We think about the dog zooming around the agility course or something like that. And we see this a lot with, um, we can see this a lot with, with nose work as well and with scent work. But, um, but when we think about dogs that stress up, we're thinking a lot about the dogs that are, you know, zooming and, but it, but basically with, with nose work and with scent work, it, it manifests itself in terms of the dog kind of um, not searching, just really trying to run around running amok. Um, that's, that's hard, you know, from, from that, it's, it's very obvious to us that the dog is in too high of a state of arousal and we have to lower the arousal. Uh, from there, I mean, we really need to work on the dog's confidence. So if you have a dog that has um, kind of zooming behaviors um, in, in any sport, really, but, um, but again, you know, this is more of a, a nose work um, or a scent work podcast, um, you know, we have to work on confidence. And, uh, and I actually have a, have, a, have a webinar on confidence that, that's very helpful. And I also have a webinar on motivation because the two are very closely related. Um, and this is where I also put a, a plug in for um, my class that's running currently right now. It's called the Four Cornerstones of Trial Preparation. It's NW340. Started December 1st. And, um, and it's really, it's all about building confidence and motivation. So when you have a dog that is in nose work and they're stressing down, which means that they're going slowly, right? And this is what we see more often. We see dogs in nose work that typically, um, with anxiety, they tend to stress down. Um, and we see this probably more than dogs that stress up. These are the dogs that have stopped working and through, because of anxiety, they really are on that far, their, that far, far right part of the, the arousal curve and they're stressing down. We really need to raise the confidence level that those dogs have. And we need to, um, we need to make that dog feel, feel like they can search. Now, the other thing, the other interesting thing about Yerkes Dodson is that the placement of that curve is very much um, relative to the complexity of the task. So when you have a task that's very easy, what you're going to find is that dogs that are, that are in a high state of arousal can do the task, right? So this actually kind of makes sense. So this is, this is a dog where a dog that comes in a high state of arousal, it's, it's a very easy task. They're able to complete the task. And, and if, but if you make that task harder, what you're going to find is that these dogs, um, have a, um, a harder time completing the task. And this, this makes a lot of sense, right? It's very, very intuitive. Um, so that, that, that curve actually physically shifts from left for the easy, um, easy tasks to right, which is, which is, um, which is a harder task. 
So once this curve shifts, what we're going to see is, um, is the dog is going to have a harder time coping and the performance level is going to be even lower. So now let's think about this from a, um, a, a time perspective, an overtime perspective. And I say this a lot, arousal is a habit, is a habit, right? Dogs are either in a habit of having anxiety or, and being high arousal, or they're in a habit of just being high arousal and being over the top, or they are in a habit of being in low arousal and being too low arousal. These are the dogs that are not in drive that we're trying to, to, you know, build the drive. We're trying to build drive, build, build focus. Those are the dogs that are in low arousal. Um, that's also a habit. And I found that um, over time, especially with, um, with having the correct routine for the dog, we can get the dog so that the dog is actually in drive. And, um, and being in drive is, is, a, is a habit as well. You take the dog to a start line and they're, and they're in drive. And this is because, because arousal is a habit. So as with any habit, we can affect it over time. And um, this is why actually in the class that I teach in the four cornerstones of trial preparation, you know, we're, we're typically, we're basically training emotion. And that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to train emotion because um, it, emotion is a habit, right? So you can kind of think about this. This is called, it's, it's a conditioned emotional response. So we talk a lot about uh, CERs, right? Conditioned emotional response. So the result of, or it, it's kind of a, a um, it goes in tandem, right? So creating this arousal. So arousal and conditioned emotional response are very, very closely related. So a lot of this, it sounds very complex and there's a lot of moving parts and everything, but what it comes down to is, is that we can actually um, condition our dogs to be in the right frame of mind. Over time, we can condition our dogs for this. To be in the right frame of mind and when they're in the right frame of mind, they are open, right? They are able to have their arousal levels um, manipulated so that if we can manipulate the arousal levels, we can get the dog in drive. Now, the optimum time to get the dog in drive, at the start line, right? You want the dog in drive at the start line. If you can get that dog in drive at the start line, all you have to do is pop the clutch. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the dog that we can get in drive, pop the clutch, let the dog drive, let the dog do its thing. And that is the beauty of the Yerkes-Dodson law. Okay, and literally that is, that is probably the, um, the secret to my own trialing is that I trial according to the Yerkes-Dodson law all the time. I train actually according to the Yerkes-Dodson law. So I talk a lot about my pyramid. So my, my pyramid that I train, I train against, that's confidence, motivation, skills, and stamina, right? So confidence is at the bottom and then motivation, and then skills goes on top of that and then stamina at the very top. Now the th common thread through all four of those is arousal. Arousal dictates our, how, how our confidence um, exists from an overtime perspective. Arousal is related to motivation. Right, so it's not the same thing as motivation, it's related to motivation. Um, skills become available to us if we have the right optimum arousal. So we're able to tap into and we're able to do those more complicated skills if we can get that arousal down, or if we can have the, the right type of arousal. So if it's, whether it's getting it down or getting it up, 
Um, getting that right type of arousal allows us to, uh, to tap into um, complicated skills. And stamina, stamina and arousal are um, very, very closely related from a perspective that so okay so so stamina if you have if you keep the dog in a high arousal for a long time your stamina is actually going to go down so this is an also also the you know the last aspect of that pyramid is the stamina aspect if we can uh, modulate our arousal we can increase the dog's stamina and i'm not talking about um, physical stamina i'm talking about mental stamina so these are the things that, you know, it's really important to, to think about. And I want you guys to, to really think about the arousal curve and, um, and try to picture, you know, where is your dog on the arousal curve? You know, when they're, when they're asleep, obviously, to, they're to the far left, to um, if they're completely anxious, they're on the far right. Where is your dog? Try to figure out where your dog is. And then once you figure out where your dog is, you can start to modify that arousal. So um, this was just a mini pod. It's only only about 20 minutes or so. Um, I wanted to keep it kind of short. But um, it's just, you know, food for thought. And um, I hope you guys, uh, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. And I hope it sparks a lot of really good conversations. So thanks for listening and have a great evening.